Hello loves and welcome to Fed Up Recovery Podcast. I'm Kim and I used to work in an eating disorder clinic and I myself recovered from an eating disorder. And today I'm here with my friend Katie. If you'd like to introduce yourself, Katie. Absolutely. My name is Katie Kovakovich. I am a childhood longtime pal of Kim's and currently a graduate student at Boston University studying macro social work and educational leadership and policy. And do you have any experience with eating disorders or did you have an eating disorder? I personally have not had an eating disorder, but I've had many friends that I know and acquaintances that have had them. And I've tried to be supportive and also have a lot of things I'm still learning myself. Mm-hmm. She's been a support person for me for a long time, too. So it's really cool to have her on the podcast today. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about traveling with an eating disorder or traveling after being recovered from an eating disorder. I'm going to give you tips and talk about my experiences as well and have Katie chime in on, you know, her experiences and just travel in general. So yeah, let's get started. Katie, when is the last place you traveled to? I've actually moved around quite a bit and recently because of the pandemic moved back to Minnesota where we are currently from Boston to finish studies remotely. But uh, before that I lived in Washington DC. So I did a big move to Boston in the fall. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you're, does your eating change when you're traveling? Like say you're doing a long drive. Is there something that you always do or how you eat while you drive? Well, I've definitely gotten better at trying to plan things out because otherwise I find I eat more irregularly or eat differently than I normally do, which doesn't feel good. Even as someone who hasn't had an eating disorder, I don't enjoy that. And I'm curious, is that something that is especially hard for folks who've had an eating disorder, like changes in meals when you're traveling or the instability of kind of that brings that naturally comes with traveling? Yeah, definitely for me, um, with traveling, it used to be really hard not to know exactly like what's going in the food, especially when Mm -hmm. I was really restrictive. So I would you know, I'd like to cook my own food for sure and, yeah, limit a lot of what goes into it. And um, a lot of traveling involves eating, like, fast food, especially driving across America. Definitely. Unless you really pack and plan ahead. It's a lot of stopping at, yeah, like, McDonald's or, I don't know, there's not a lot of good choices unless you, yeah, really plan ahead. You can stop at restaurants or pack food. Our family growing up did more of just fast food while we drove and stopping at gas stations like for snacks so it's it's kind of like hard working with that um Mm -hmm. as I travel now I'm like so much less I'm not I'm not restrictive anymore and I'm I've become a lot more flexible with my eating and at the same time planning ahead has helped me a lot too so bringing food that from grocery stores that I'm okay eating and food that lasts longer I guess that you can pack ahead um, something I know that I've felt or heard a lot of people say when traveling is, oh, I eat so much, or I feel like I'm just eating or overeating. Um, what do you think about that mindset or that particular feeling that people might get when they're traveling? That like you're overeating? Yeah, or eating all the time, things like that. Yeah, I think a lot of, I, I, I wonder a lot about that too, because I think it's like both two things, like you might be eating more than you normally do just because a lot of traveling ends up, especially if you're like, like you're traveling to a place, so while you're there, you're part of the experience of traveling somewhere is experiencing the culture and the food they eat and just eating different foods is like exciting for a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. for me now not having an eating disorder anymore. 
I just like really get excited about eating different foods. That's like why I want to go to different countries a lot of the time. Um, so that might be the case that you eat more than normal and that's just part of it. Like it's the trade-off for experiencing something new and having a good time in life. Um, but at the same time, it might just be like a mindset thing. Like in your daily life, you're doing all these other things. Usually like you're going to work, you're doing, you know, extracurricular, whatever things you like doing. Whereas when you're traveling, it's, there's not as much stuff you're probably doing during the day. So you feel like you're just, yeah. So you kind of just like, maybe if you don't have a lot of activities you're doing the day, you're just kind of walking around sightseeing, eating. It does feel like all day you're eating, which you do anyway. Like, I mean, if you're a person (laughs) that like most people, especially recovered people from eating disorders, like it's good to eat frequently, like maybe even small meals, but frequently. So yeah, you're eating all day. It's like, that's a normal thing to do. Yeah, it's normal. It's just people, I think it's also like a validation thing people say a lot like out loud yes like I notice like people are eating and they like someone that might be more stressed out about food or it's just so culturally normal mm-hmm. to just talk about like feel bad about how much you're eating so like oh I feel like I'm eating so much oh this meal is so heavier compared to what I'm used to eating when it's like so unnecessary to say that right and it's just the natural instability of being in a new environment things are going to feel different and you want to name those things and and then we inherently end up putting a label on it whether or not that label is health healthy or helpful actually like saying this food is like fattier than i normally eat or exactly yeah exactly yeah i know i was um when we were getting ready for this podcast I'm thinking about I just did a quick google search on you know like tips for traveling with an eating disorder and I personally found some that I I think are a little bit goofy I'm curious your thoughts as we're talking here today about different tips and one um one of them was to take a a, take time away from technology a screen time and I thought that was particularly goofy because you know if you're stressed about a meal or you're experiencing binging and purging behaviors I can imagine a phone break isn't exactly what someone needs what are your thoughts on tips like that yeah, I don't know. I should count. You should go through the whole list, even. Absolutely. I'm curious. Yeah. So there was. Um, getting How many to, are there? Ten. This one has ten in it. This particular article okay. um, talked about getting to the airport or train station early um, to avoid anxiety. Planning ahead with snacks and food, which we sort of That's talked about good. a little bit. Drinking lots of water, which we should just do normally, right? <laughs> it's always a good thing to stay hydrated. Getting but you outside. You do forget though, like when you're in air, flying plane, flying mm-hmm. planes. I think your, the altitude like makes your body go through water faster so I think you get dehydrated a lot quicker on a plane mm. so it's important to like actually really be intentional be about drinking about more that. water so you know like being dehydrated can trigger binging oh, okay I notice that myself if I'm not dehydrated if I'm really dehydrated I might go for food instead of like yeah. y- your body can confuse like mix signals yeah, like what yeah, it yeah. Needs you might actually. end up overeating because you're interesting mm-hmm. that's a good one actually that. um getting outside fresh air True. Um, get some sleep. <laughs> Bring an eye covering and things like that if you're traveling in like a plane or a train. Um, giving yourself grace. Always a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, reaching out to your treatment team. What are your thoughts on that? Pre or during yeah, travel? Yeah, if, I mean, if you have a treatment team, if you're in like in, in recovery and you're like lucky enough to have a treatment team, that's a good idea. Um, tell them ahead of time and you can, I'm sure a lot of like, I know a lot of eating disorder centers, they'll like write out even like every step along the way of what you're going to do and your entire meal plan and how that can fit into being in an airport. So like if you're needing a certain amount of food, mm-hmm. like what places can provide that because just like choosing can be stressful. So that yeah, yeah, sense. that's awesome. Um, bringing healthy coping strategies like favorite books or music, knitting gear, things like that. Um, and then the technology one that I had already mentioned. 
Yeah. The thing about all these is they're very broad. So it's like advice that, I don't know, that I feel like is pretty obvious. Like, yeah, just, I mean, everybody knows that. Like, use your coping strategies. You kind of forget maybe in the moment, but I kind of want to talk about more, like, super specific things, which might not apply to everybody, but... Well, I know you mentioned at the beginning thinking about different stages of being in recovery. So do you have any advice for folks maybe that are currently in treatment or maybe are recovering? Are there different things people should do while traveling or keep in mind that might be helpful? Probably. Um, So if you're in treatment, so say you're currently on a meal plan, like you're, I don't know if you're in, like say you're like in a treatment program in the moment and then you have to leave for a wedding, talk to your treatment team and they'll help you plan out like you know what meals you're eating throughout the day and you can if you know where you're gonna be figure out how like how you can get the right amount of nutrition at each meal in different places like you're going to even a fast food restaurant like what what food will fit into your meal plan um make sure you're doing your snacks so a lot of treatment meal plans involve like breakfast lunch dinner and then snacks in between all those and after before bed um so bring snacks along with you like your favorite granola bars whatever whatever you like eating that's like not probably um perishable that's the word perishable it's not perishable (laughs) bringing those things along um because it can be hard like I found something really hard for me is that I especially while I was recovering I would compare myself to eating of what other people are eating a lot and um it felt like I felt really embarrassed to have to eat a snack. Mm. So like a lot of people, like normal eaters, essentially, they can kind of like eat when they're hungry and full. And like they might, it might have gotten to a point that they works for them just to eat like breakfast, maybe skip lunch and eat dinner. But like they just eat a lot bigger meals and that's what works for them. And that is essentially normal eating for some people. Mm-hmm. But if you're someone that's recovering from an eating disorder, like you're not ready for normal eating and you need to stick to your meal plan because like the number one reason people relapse is a lot of the times just not sticking to your meal plan um and like thinking that you can like switch to normal eating right away um so like just not feeling shameful or like letting people know that you might need support around eating I was gonna ask that is it helpful to voice people that you voice to people that you are around or traveling with um kind of your meal plan or things that you need that would be helpful is that something you've done before yeah absolutely that's like so good if you can I mean everybody I think for the most part people will be really supportive like you'll be surprised and Maybe people don't know that you have an eating disorder that you're traveling with. Like, try to tell them. Or, um, yeah, because people, a lot of people are, like, willing to eat to your schedule even. So, like, if you want to eat, like, I need to eat lunch at noon. I need to eat breakfast at 8. I need to eat dinner at 6. Like, can we do everything we can to, like, make sure those are our meal times? And, like, voicing your needs is, like, really important. Speaking from my own experience, like I said, I personally haven't had an eating disorder, but I had a friend um, a couple years back um, that I was living with who did have one and when she did voice it before she had told us really about it um and we were not at home we were traveling in somewhere else and I was like and other people were very receptive and more than willing I mean there was never a moment of judgment it was just like oh yeah how can we support you what are the things that we can do and it was really easy for us to be able to accommodate and it felt better because we could tell she was struggling or like a little more unhappy so we just didn't really know what was going on it was actually really nice for us to hear too this was something she was dealing with um and there were actually specific ways we could be helpful because otherwise it just feels sort of as a friend you don't really know what to do um, especially when you're away from home and things aren't normal for anybody so I know that for me was actually a good thing if if you are someone who is um, recovering or in recovery 
naming that can with with a trusted friend of course not just Mm -hmm. anybody but I think actually can be a very good thing at least as a friend that was helpful yeah and I can say that too because then say like say I'm the one with the eating disorder right and I'm Mm -hmm. traveling with you and you or and like three other people right right so but you're the person that I really trust so I were I tell you I have an eating disorder blah 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 (laughs) it sucks (laughs) and um I'm gonna need like and I need to eat these times I need to eat this much food um, can you help me like voice that to the group? Can, can you be someone else? Because it can, it can be like, it, yeah. yeah, it can be, you don't, it, often if you have an eating disorder, you don't want to be like the center of attention. You don't want to be like, and people forget too. So you don't want to be constantly being like, let's eat now. Let's eat now. And it's like your eating disorder voice is telling you like, nope, you can skip this meal. You can mm. blah, blah, blah. You so it's almost an accountability method, but also a safe way for you to not be the center of A that. little bit. And it, yeah, it makes it more anonymous, I guess. Like yeah. say everybody doesn't know, like if we're both saying like, oh, let's eat at eight. And it, it's less like, you know, yeah, it's like sharing the load a bit of like, mm-hmm. it's really, it's really hard to like, even now I have a hard time, like as being mm-hmm. like recovered essentially for like three years, it's like, I have a hard time voicing that I need to eat. Yeah. Like I want somebody else to be the person that says that, like, let's have dinner now, even though like I will, I will eat, but like, I don't, I have a really hard time d- saying my needs Interesting. Even recovered, yeah, it's weird. So I, I mean, being, if you're like anorexic or if you're really struggling with restriction, it can be really hard. Absolutely, that's a, a good sort of segue because I was thinking about we touched on how to travel or tips for traveling if you are currently in recovery and say have like a meal plan structure. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts about someone who is is recovered or um, but still working through that? Um, any specific tips that you found helpful or have thought about um, for someone in recovery? Or out of recovery, excuse me. Yeah, I think the thing about being essentially recovered is that, like, I don't know, it's different for everybody. In my experience, I've never even considered myself, like, I say it, but, like, I've never really considered myself, like, recovered. Like, I I kind of say, like, I'm in recovery and that I'll always be in recovery. It's not just something that goes away and you're you're cured sort of thing. Yeah, because especially when I'm doing well, like, when life is going well and I'm, like, I've... I'm surrounded by like a lot of people I love. I'm like doing things that I love. Like just life is like decent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it really a lot easier to eat normal and to be recovered and not have eating disorder symptoms. But like if things go like recently I had like a, you know, something happened that was really stressful and a lot of life changes like, you know, with COVID, just life is like crazy a bit. Yeah. And I could feel like my eating disorder voice getting louder and louder mm-hmm. and it's it's like you have to really actively work on um, fighting that, I guess, and like reaching out. Like I started seeing a therapist again because I was I just needed help to manage the eating disorder symptoms like before they come up. For sure. Which is crazy. Like it's something I would never have done before. Um, but so well, like maybe we, that's a helpful thing for traveling, anticipating the needs yeah. you might have ahead of time and kind of having a plan for either those trigger points or those maybe relapse moments that would occur. Yeah, like, even knowing beforehand that, like, this could be a stressful... Like, anytime I think you're changing, especially for someone that's normally in a strong routine and you're mm-hmm. recovered, essentially, like, anytime you're really changing that routine or doing something a little bit different, you're at a higher risk for relapse or lapses or, you know, yeah, not doing well in your um, recovery. So, tips, I would say... Um, yeah, so just like recognize that ahead of time is like a number one tip that you might be in a harder place um, and being gentle about yourself, like not feeling like you've like something's wrong with you and this will right. always be like this, but you're just in a harder position. Um, maybe another one would be. I mean, yeah, like having a backup meal plan, kind of like remembering that your what your meal plan would have been while you're in recovery. Mm-hmm. So 
it might be like if you're someone that is like I mostly intuitively eat these days like I just kind of eat when I'm hungry and when I'm full because I've gotten enough in cue with my hunger and fullness signals that that's what works the best for me um I don't like have like strict things that I eat or like strict amounts that I eat but if things do feel really out of control I might go back to kind of having a meal plan like eating Mm, at certain times and making sure I get snacks um because I'm more likely to binge when I'm traveling I find that to be like I'm the only thing I really struggle with anymore is binge relapse. I won't really restrict anymore. Um, and I don't purge anymore because it doesn't help anything. Um, and only leads to more binges. So I can, I'm like far enough away from like bulimia that like I don't, I can like tell myself not to purge where it used yeah. to be very um, compulsive, I guess. But binging still is someone thing I would struggle with. So to avoid binging, yeah, making sure that I'm eating enough and not getting too hungry during the day. So like if you're, like, a lot of times I'll go traveling and I'm with friends and we'll walk, you know, forever, like, just walking through the city to explore, like, a European city. And, like, most, like, some people I travel with, they won't even eat lunch. Like, it's just normal for them not mm-hmm. to do that. But, like, I need to. So yeah. making sure that I still eat at those certain times. Do you find it helpful also to travel with snacks, being in recovery, having snacks with you that oh, you yeah. like? Yeah. I love snacks. I mean, I, same. <laughs> I always travel with snacks, <laughs> snacks and backup snacks. That's my yeah, motto. <laughs> no. And people, it's like, that's a good way to make friends, too. It's like you're traveling. Mm. Everybody loves snacks. Like, For normal sure. eaters like to eat. They just, like, oh, may, yeah. maybe don't, like, think ahead enough. Like, they don't plan ahead enough to, like, bring snacks. But, like, yeah, if you just bring, like, a bag of, like, chocolate chips and, like, nuts and stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, you're, like, you're eating a snack. Everyone would be like, oh, I want some. Of course. Yeah. You know? Like, people will like you a lot more. <laughs> so here so we, we are. Helping really. each other and making friends at the same yeah, time. So yeah. win-win, really. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best things. <laughs> what are your thoughts on traveling alone versus with companions? Is it usually helpful to have people with you? Um Tell me about that in, in your perspective of recovery, um, having people with, or is it more triggering to be alone when you're traveling? Yeah, yeah. So I've traveled a ton in my life, probably the last, like, five years while yeah. being... <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah, like, so much um, for a lot of different reasons. It started, I guess, as, like, almost a... While I was in my... Had my eating disorder, like, I saw it kind of as, like, a really escapism thing mm. that I... Maybe if I, like, did something crazy, like, my eating disorder would go away. Um, and then I just got really obsessed with traveling and um, kind of formed my life around it, which is really great. Um, but part of that was traveling alone because it's really difficult to find people to travel with. And I was so impulsive about it, um, mm-hmm. and spontaneous, I guess you'd say, that it would take too much work to yeah, plan with somebody. So I did a lot of alone traveling. And yes, it was really hard. It's mm. because, yeah, I just, I think that would be... I think I just had a really hard, I have a hard time eating alone a lot of the times because I just forget what normal eating is. Sure. Like I had an eating disorder for so long that even now, like I will think that something is enough food. If you're alone. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll think like, I'm not trying to restrict, but it will end up restricting because I think it's enough food mm. because my eating, like my old eating disorder brain will think that that's enough. And then, um, especially in different countries or you just have, I have a harder time comparing it maybe to what I should normally be eating. And then, but then I find myself binging because I haven't been eating enough in the day and then I get really angry at myself and then there's all these crazy new exciting desserts and foods to eat. So I just end up like binging in these different countries, mm, Sure. which yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the last, I found that happening two years ago while I was, you know, essentially recovered Then I found myself kind of relapsing into binging. Um, but this last year I made a really big point to not travel alone. Um, because and it helped a ton Hmm. just having people with me it's like I feel calmer I get like really centered into reality a lot more 
and just having people to always eat with is really helpful to me. Um, yeah, find travel buddies if you can travel ever. Travel buddies are great. Yeah, like if you have to do a trip, like, I don't know, like, yeah, funeral or a wedding that you're traveling alone with, like, do what you can to find somebody to travel with. You'd be surprised if friends, you have friends around that would just, like, want to, like, join you for the trip. Yeah, or even cushion it on either end who can help you depart and who's going to arrive mm-hmm. with you kind of thing um, if you can't have a like a specific plane buddy or something <laughs> yeah or if you are traveling alone like meetup groups that like mm. like i've done a lot of that when i'm traveling um just to be around people in general yeah and, yeah there's a lot of like meals. travel clubs and couch surfing clubs and people that just want to eat with other people i don't know <laughs> totally. it's really fun or if you're staying in hostels like meeting people that way and sharing cooking meals like that's a really big part of hostel travel is yeah people like yeah they just meet each other and you'll cook meals together which can really help um, and like learning a lot about different cultures and the way they eat and cooking. Yeah. It's really, it's really when you can work on your recovery and travel, there's like so much to learn about eating and I imagine so. Yeah. yeah it's Have crazy. you found it helpful or, or grounding at all to while your travel be learning about the local cuisine or cooking habits of that place? Is that helpful at all or just more of a, a fascinating thing in general? I think both um, something that helped me a lot. I think recovering from my eating disorder was traveling because um, I grew up in a family that was really restrictive. Like I had, my mom was really restrictive eater. And um, so, and yeah. So it wasn't like I didn't grow up learning a lot about like how to eat healthy and like how, like how to eat like, yeah, like healthy in a recovered healthy Mm -hmm, way. mm -hmm. Not like the obsession kind of healthy is how I grew up more of like eating the most healthy option ever. Um, but so traveling to other countries and I don't know, like I would say like I traveled to France quite a bit and I had a friend from Italy that I traveled with and both of the way I learned, I mean, it's not like, you know, universal, it's not like it's kind of generalized, but like yeah. these people that I traveled with, they both really ate, like they cooked, they grew up cooking with their family, like cooking from the ground, you know, ground up, whatever. Mm-hmm. Know, Seed to table kind of thing. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they like garden necessarily, but like making everything kind of from scratch and yeah. like it was just unheard of to like, diet foods, I think was less common there. Like, yeah. in the, like in the 90s, like everything diet, like no, sh- no fat, no sugar, no nothing. Like, you know, how low calorie and how low sugar, mm, whatever. Absolutely, I remember that Can you get your well. food is how I grew up eating and that just like didn't exist there. Like it seemed really bizarre to them that like, you wouldn't like cook why with would you oil, cut out you wouldn't things, cook with butter. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. So learning that, just like, and like, yeah, you can't, you can't be obsessive about everything you put in your food because it's, it's so like, just part of the taste is like everything that goes into mm-hmm. it. You can't like count the calories of it because it's just so. And that's how you make it. And that's just what it is. And yeah, what makes it taste good, right? Yeah. And so like eating food, like I learned to like eat food, like for the sake of eating food that like it tastes delicious. Yeah. Which I really only learned like a couple of years ago that like food can be fun. <laughs> that like <laughs> yeah, that you can like cook and eat and celebrate and Yeah. And I think take that's such time. a beautiful grounding thing for all of us to learn other cultures way of eating and engaging with food. I mean, diversifying our knowledge and our palates is mm-hmm. really cool, I think, and something I'm absolutely obsessed with and I love cooking and learning about new cuisines. So I think that's great for everyone it's cool that also can be a helpful thing for folks with an eating disorder to sort of see those other perspectives and learn more about food in a different way that's a better way to engage with yeah because you went to Norway right so what did you you learn anything from like eating there did you new recipes say I didn't as much because I was living on a campus so the food was sort of just provided for us um um 
I would say, I th- and I think a lot of what you're talking about resonates too in that like it was a shift in my eating very much so that you're like, mm. and I think just accepting, well, I'm in a new place. I'm going to be eating new foods. I can't necessarily control um, what I want to eat all the time, but being able to engage with why do they eat, you know, Wiener Pulsa or whatever, like that- different. Um, if I remember right, that's like, it's kind of like a hot dog, but they wrap it in like more of a flatbread. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, I don't know. It seems all right. But um, yeah, I've been to a number of different countries and I love, I mean, it's one of my favorite things about traveling is trying the food and eating the different things. Um, I don't know if I, um, I'm trying to think of specific lessons maybe that I learned um, <laughs> about food in those places, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Either way, it's just cool eating different stuff. I don't know. I think the, the place I like the most, well, recently I was in Budapest for a few weeks. I was mm-hmm. taking classes and staying with friends there. And the food there is, like, a lot heavier, I guess you would say. So it's just meat and potato heavy. Mm, same was true in Norway, definitely. Yeah, but it's so good. Oh, my gosh. They have this. I'm obsessed with cabbage. And they have, um, what is it? It's just, like, cabbage and dumplings, kind of. I think you call them dumplings, but they're, like, yeah, they're kind of like dumplings, yeah, like little yeah, dumplings. Sure. And um, I don't know what else they put. Oh, it's so good. And, like, just butter. And I had this in Prague, too. They had it at the Christmas market in Prague. And my God, I could just eat it forever. And I, I've tried <laughs> to make it again at home. And I think it turned out okay. Not as good, of course. Mm-hmm. But what's the point of that? It's just so good. <laughs> but it's like a food that would be so scary, I think, for me to eat sure. initially. Um, like maybe years ago, that would not even have been on your mind to yeah, be able to yeah. try. Yeah. But um, God, it's so good. Anyway, what else? Any other tips? So we're not, yeah, tips we're not traveling have? now because of the quarantine. So this is a right, lot of daydream right. is happening for me now. I like, feel like we're just in that moment right now, recalling yeah. our travels. Oh, remember when we could eat foods and go to different places yeah, and yeah. experience that? Now it's just kind of cooking the meals that we've traveled with, and mm-hmm. I've been we're we're in northern Minnesota right now, so there's not a lot of access to interesting ingredients, but we can do what we can. Yeah, yeah. Growing but, season is almost upon mm-hmm. us. We'll see what we can <laughs> grow this summer. Maybe my sister might make some lefse, which mm-hmm. is. It's a Norwegian thing, yeah. Sure I think so, but yeah. a lot of people eat it in because there's Scandinavian roots, a lot of Scandinavian mm-hmm. roots in northern mm-hmm. Minnesota, so it's very common to eat up here. So I think we'll be doing some of that soon. Yeah. So if you had to do a, like a fast five um, okay. tips or tricks for folks um, in recovery or with an eating disorder for traveling, I and mean, we've talked about so many, but just kind of as a wrap it all up. <laughs> in a, in, I know it's nothing's neat or mm. not messy about any of this, but talked about bringing bringing snacks as one of them yeah um let's see it's fast five how fast can i talk um (laughs) let's see so i mean number one always get support wherever you Mm. can find it if it's if it's not with people you are around you know if you just haven't gotten to the point with your recovery that you can ask for help with people you're close to like yeah i mean if you're listening to my podcast you're already kind of getting help message me on instagram message me on um, yeah, message me on Instagram, I think, is how we're doing it right now. Um, and I'll I'll help you. Like, I have time now. I'll totally um, help you create a meal plan um, for just, like, you know, make a plan for how to travel um, to support people. Number two, follow your meal plan. Um, if you're someone in recovery, it's just, like, so good to eat as, you know, eat frequently throughout the day. And um, so stick to what works for you and you know, how that fits into traveling. Number three, get sleep. Mm. It's true. Like 
that was on that list, I think. But get sleep, drink lots of water. Water, Like the basic needs are really important. Um, If you're taking medication, make sure to bring your medications along. Have that. Um, Now we have teletherapy. So if you're seeing a therapist, you can still see them online. Even if you're doing a long trip. I know I'm sure every therapist is now ready for that, which is actually kind of a cool part (laughs) of this whole thing that um, is more access to therapy. I know a lot of my peers in social work programs have been doing that in their internships. and It's actually cool that they're learning how to transition to that. Absolutely, yeah. It's been yeah. sort of a, a wild process, but a lot of a lot of people I'm learning from and with are, are doing that process right now. It's so smart. Like, my God, how have we not done this before this? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's wild. Um, it's obviously nice having in person, but if you can't, like, yeah, it's so much better. Yeah, so especially while traveling, that's such a good option to mm-hmm. have if you need a, a quick check-in or a, a session with someone. Okay, um, that was three. So number four. Um, oh, I didn't say this before, but be gentle about yourself about exercise. Oh, so yeah. how to fit exercise into travel. I'm not going to get into that now because <laughs> that would be a long, it's like an episode. Yeah, a separate itself. episode, yeah, exercising while traveling. But yeah, be gentle with yourself, be flexible, like not really stretch, not stretchy flexible, but like flexible, I guess, like in yeah, your Yeah, yeah. And, and you had mentioned too the not feeling shame about um, saying what you need to like if you mm-hmm. have a trusted travel companion or something like that um, or if you need to have a snack to not feel shame around those things that type of grace for yourself yeah and I guess five what do we talk about food in other co- countries so I mean part of traveling is appreciating and having new experiences and like understanding that there's a trade-off for um, mm-hmm. traveling sometimes so it's like what do you want out of your life like do you want to live this super strict rigid eating disordered I don't know, or like obsessive eating life, or do you want to live like a rich, interesting life where you discover new things and maybe your body will change as a result, but like the less, the more you can like let go of, um, you know, trying to control everything in your life, like the more life will happen, the more like awesome your life can be and people you can meet and places you can see and, mm-hmm. um, so thinking more about all the trade-offs, like my body might have changed or my eating may have changed in this new place, but all of the things I learned and gained and people I met and experiences yeah. I had, weighing those against each other so you're not just focused on how eating may have shifted or your yeah. body may have shifted. Totally. That's beautiful. I love that one. Beautiful. <laughs> I just say beautiful things. <laughs> she really does. Quite the She's poet. just a stunning human inside and out. Her words Thank you. Oh, so <laughs> Magic. I'll just hang out more. Okay. So I think that'll wrap it up for today. Um... I hope that you all are treating yourselves well during this quarantine. And I know we're kind of things are opening up um, around the world, really. So take care of yourselves and I'll see you next podcast. Write in if you have any questions and yeah. Bye.